Let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians 2. Today's scripture reading is Ephesians 2, 8 through 22. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you are at at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of hope a promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man, in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Okay, this is part 12 out of 12 of our series on stewardship, and you're probably going, when we find that this is it, okay? I'm finally completing my series and on a message on citizenship. We've actually covered a lot of ground in this series. We've first just started off by saying my life or your life, your life doesn't belong to you. Your life belongs to someone else, and you'll be called to account for it. We talked about time how we order our time. We talked about money. We had multiple messages about money. We talked about the stewardship of our work, the stewardship of children in the next generation, the church and the mission of the church. And today, to complete this series, I'm going to talk about something that doesn't get a whole lot of attention and a lot of discussion in the church, and that is what does it mean to be a citizen, a citizen of this country, and what does it mean that if we are a citizen of God's country, of God's nation, how does that shape and help us think about what it means to be a citizen here? It's a very important topic, and I can't really quite do it justice. It probably requires a whole series on its own, but I'm going to try to just hit it in one big shot today. And I know especially in a lot of immigrant churches like ours, it doesn't get a lot of attention. A lot of immigrants don't often feel that they have an ownership stake in the society. 
Um, but that's, that's, uh, that's not true, and it's sad that that is the case, that's the attitude. Right? Um, I'm going to get at this message today in three parts, as I usually do. Part one is nations, community building, and belonging. Nations, community building, belonging. That's what I'm going to talk about in part one. Part two, I'm going to give you a civics lesson. <laughs> right? I'm going to talk about America, because that's the country that we have stewardship over for most of you, even if you're not actually technically a citizen. If you're here, this is the stewardship that you, that you must answer for from God. And I'm going to talk about America, which is a special country. And then part three, shalom, communal shalom through the glory of God. Through the glory of God. Um, part one. This passage, it says, it's a, it's a complex passage here in Ephesians chapter 2. And I don't know if you were fully following it as our brother read this, but let me just, just hit certain points. It says here, um, what Paul is doing is he's addressing Gentiles. And Gentiles aren't Jews, but they have now believed in Jesus. And this is what he says to them. Remember that you were, for a time, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. That's the way he puts it. You're alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise. And then later on, he goes on to say that Jesus came and preached peace to you who are far off, that is Gentiles, and preached to those who are near, that is Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So now you're no longer strangers and aliens, because that's the terminology. Now here's what he says. But you are fellow citizens. That's the word he uses. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now, I want just, just to start off this message, um, I don't think today we understand citizenship very well. Just the very idea of citizenship. And that's what this first part of my message I want to get at. And I want to show it to you from the Bible. First of all, citizenship is not merely a political idea. It's not just something Americans invented or that other nations came. It is from God. It's from the Bible. That part of salvation is to understand that you are part of a nation. What Paul calls the commonwealth of Israel. And I want you to understand that this is a really strange thing Paul is saying. Right when he said this at the beginning, he, he's, he's saying this to people in Ephesus. He's saying this to people who are Romans. Yo, Romans, <laughs> you guys are Gentiles, but if you really want to have salvation, you want to be a part of the people of God, you actually have to be a part of Israel. <laughs> if you're not a part of Israel, you don't, have a, 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 you don't have a stake in God's promises. The promises he made to Abraham, to David, to Moses, I mean, and just think of how strange this is if you're a Roman and you're saying, Moses? Who the heck is Moses? <laughs> David... Who's David? Who's Abraham? I don't want to be a Jewish person. And yet, Paul is saying that you, you were far off, you were a stranger, and you were an alien, you were outside, but now, through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, you have now been brought into this community called the Commonwealth of Israel, and now, you're not just some outsider, you're not a stranger, you're not an alien, you are a citizen. Citizenship is an idea that goes right into heaven. It is from God, actually. Now, let me just back off a little bit for a moment. You know what citizenship is? Today, people, and especially in immigrant communities like this, people tend to think about citizenship as primarily 
I get certain benefits from this country. <laughs> you know, nobody can kick me out. Uh, um, I'm supposed to pay certain taxes. And, and, uh, and a whole host of benefits by becoming, being an American citizen is afforded to me. It's primarily what, the way we think about it. It's, it's like, what do I get out of it? That's how we think of citizenship. But that is so wrong. <laughs> Even if you, that's the way if you think about it, you only think about it in, in this kind of very legal framework. <laughs> and you only think about it in a very selfish manner. I get this versus I don't get this. And even the political discourse of today, you know, we, we fight a lot today about immigration, what should be legal, what should be illegal, and there's big controversies about this today. But even apart from this, I wanted to just get back to the heart of what it means to be a citizen all. A citizen, a citizen and citizenship first means you belong to a people. And a people, when it starts to grow numerous and complex, you know what we call that? And it's organized and stands for something. We call that a nation. What Paul calls a commonwealth, a commonwealth of Israel. And every nation believes in certain things and stands for, and we gather together and we bind ourselves into promises that we call citizenship, and we build, we build the people together. See, just because you have a million people gathered together, you don't have a nation. You don't have a commonwealth. You have to have a people who says, we have promised and we stand for something. And every nation, really what it is, is it's about community. And if you are part of it, then you have belonging. The strongest and clearest belonging is that's what citizenship is about. I don't know if any of you have ever um, been a natural, become a naturalized American. Some of you were born here, since so you're just an American, you were born an American citizen. I'm a naturalized American citizen. I was born in Korea, and I didn't become an American citizen until I was 13 years old. My father and mother actually took vows to become American, actually to learn things. I remember quizzing my father on his, on his citizenship. You know, there's like an oral exam, and then he had to learn a bunch of different things. And while I quizzed my dad, to my great surprise, I learned things. I was like, I didn't know these things. And I started thinking, like, why don't I know these things? How come they don't teach this thing to me in the schools? Because to be honest with you, because the schools suck. Bluntly spoke, because your schools stink. And your schools don't teach you what it means to be an American and are not actually teaching you what real citizenship is for. And so my father and mother, I watched them do this. They raised a hand and they made a vow to stand for certain things that this country stood for, to contribute and to sacrifice for what this country stood for, and to give themselves to the common, common good and blessing and the building, upbuilding of a community. I mean, these days there's a, so much talk about community and what community and community. The reason there's so much talk about community is because everybody is a selfish jerk. <laughs> That's why. Americans believe that it's all about my dream, and if I'm just, I'm just going to come here and believe that it's all my dreams because it's just a land of my dream, that's idiotic. <laughs> and it's completely idiotic. That is not what America is about. That's not what it should be about. But insofar as that's all that we think that America is about, we have no idea what it means to be a citizen. <laughs> a citizen is more than that. It's to belong. It's to belong to a, a community that stands for something that's more than just about what I get out of it. 
It's not just about my dreams, that there is a deeper glory that we are called together for. And this goes right to salvation itself, too. To be even saved, you have to be a citizen. <laughs> and you have to be a citizen of Israel. And that's kind of strange. Except through Jesus now, you don't have to have blood, you don't have to be a blood relative of Abraham, you don't have to be Jewish even. But to be a citizen of Israel is to believe in the glories and the promises that come from God itself. And to be a citizen, by the way, is not only to receive, but it is to give. To only, it's not only to receive, but it is a stewardship. Hmm? It is something that we have received which we pass on. It is something which we receive and we, which we contribute to, which we build up. That's what citizenship is about. And, and it's profoundly relevant. This is part of what it means to be in the church and to be a part of a nation called Israel, which now encompasses all, all kinds of nations. But now it comes down to this time and this place. What does it mean to be a citizen? To be a citizen of Israel also means you are now a citizen of heaven. And a citizen of heaven, honestly, is not just something that's up there and far and away. It should mean that you will, be, you will have a whole new re renewed understanding of citizenship itself. And if you are a citizen of heaven, you should be among the very best citizens of your country, which God gives you now, which God gives you now to be a steward of, to bless, and to contribute to. Absolutely. So that's my first entryway from this passage. The very meaning of citizenship is, na is about nationhood and community and and the belonging that we have, and the belonging that we have is a part of a stewardship. It's a stewardship that goes from heaven right down to what does it mean that we will be a citizen of our very nation today. Now let me get to part two of my message. Um, America. Now I know some of you are not technically American citizens, but insofar as you live here, you should... Actually, outdo the citizens, even if you're not even a citizen. And of course, if you are a citizen, you should, if you are a citizen of America, you should approach being a citizen of America as being a citizen of Israel, a citizen of heaven itself. And you should give into your people, as God would have us give. And, but even before that, that would be true of any country on this planet, whether you're you're of Japan, or you're of Mexico, or you're of, of what they call the, the sovereign nation of the Paiute tribe, that, which I just came back from visiting, whichever nation that is. But today I want to give you, I want to do something which I almost never do, and which you probably don't, and which is quite unusual in the church, is today I actually want to give you a civics lesson, because America is actually a very special country. It's a very odd and unusual country, and I really don't think there's any country there's... I mean, this is not just because I'm an American, I'm a patriotic American, I love my country. That's what I'm talking about. Actually, from a, just a straight, honest, historical assessment, there's never been quite a country like this. And what I'd like you to do is this, this thing that I'm going to teach you right now used to be commonly taught in every school, and every child grew up with these things. And by the time you had adulthood, 
these texts and things that I'm going to reference today was just common knowledge in America, and it caused people to want to give of their country. There's a lot of people that are very, very cynical today about the meaning of America, and particularly how America is connected to under, an understanding of citizenship under God. Very, very, lots of people, Americans are very cynical about it, which is ridiculous, just really sad and sh- shameful. Of course, the rest of the world doesn't believe in it because they, they just think that we only care about riches and power. If that's all we care about, then God shouldn't bless us. Quite frankly, we sing this song, God Bless America, in the seventh inning of all these baseball games. Really, if all we care about and that what makes America an important, special country is that we're the biggest, we're the baddest, we're the richest, and we're the most powerful, if that is all that we care about and that's what makes America special, then God shouldn't bless us. He should curse us, and he has. He's cursed every powerful nation that has had that idolatry that's ever been on this planet And there's no reason why he shouldn't curse us for the same exact idolatrous and evil beliefs and evil heart attitudes that all those nations have had. That's the way we're going to be. But actually, the civic lesson that I want to give you today is that that's not what America was actually about. And that's not the way America was founded, and that's not actually the purpose and actual vision of America itself. And so... Even in preparing this message, I was actually getting kind of upset. (laughs) I was getting upset and angry that I have to teach this because this shouldn't be what I should have to teach. This should actually be common knowledge to many of you, but it's lost. But under the gospel, I'm actually, I would be glad to give it back to you. So I'm going to just give you a few. Have you ever heard of a guy named um, John Winthrop? Anybody ever heard of a guy named John Winthrop? John Winthrop was a theological man. He was a leader. He was actually a pastor. He was a Puritan in the 1600s. And he, along with a number of other people, you might have heard of a group called the Pilgrims, that sailed out of England because they they objected to the way that the English king and the Church of English forced them to try to worship God. And as they would read the Bible, they said, hey, no king and no church that's established by the government can force us to worship God in the way that they deem fit. The Bible says that we are free to worship him under the way God calls us to worship him. And so pilgrims left and then came to America. And then they came upon this place called Plymouth, Plymouth Rock. But about 10 years later, a guy named John Winthrop came, and he founded Massachusetts Bay Colony. Why? Because it was the notion that no king and no government, no state can control the church. And that's why America was started with this idea of that the state cannot establish the church. Today, we're completely backwards. Today, Americans are afraid that the church is going to kind of, you know, is going to kind of in, uh, get in the way of the government. That the church is somehow going to corrupt the government. But that isn't really the way America was started. The way America was started was upon this notion that the government was getting in the way of the church. 
that the government was trying to dictate to people how to be the church so that America was started, Massachusetts Bay Colony was started in 1630 with a set of people that said that we are first under God and we'll be a people under God, not dictated to by the state who can control the church. The church has primacy over the government. And I want you to understand that it's absolutely true from the Bible. And I hope that you will begin to just come back to this. It's strange. That is a deep American idea. But actually, the American idea is a biblical idea. And that is the idea from which springs forth this understanding of freedom. This understanding that America is built upon freedom. Fundamentally, we are free to worship because the most freest people will be a people that belong to, under God, never under the thumb of any state or any rich man, or any king, or any military, under God, first and foremost. And if you think that this is some, just some strange idea that was back in the 1630s, I mean, this, this is endures. Um, let me, I'm going to read to you something that is very, very famous, and you should have learned this by now, but you probably haven't. And um, this is from the Gettysburg Address written by uh, one of our most famous presidents and perhaps our greatest president. And um, it is a president who talks like a preacher, quite frankly. And it takes a president who talks like a preacher to really understand the American vision. And it's not a long speech. And today I challenge you, go home sometime this week, just Google it up, boom, it'll come out. Really, you can read this in about a minute. <laughs> And Gettys the Gettysburg Address was a speech that Lincoln gave after a battle in the Civil War. There's a lot of dead bodies. A lot of people died. And it was an address he gave to Americans um, after, a lot, after a great cost over a fight over slavery. And I won't read the whole thing, but let me just go over the latter portion. This is what he says. The world will little note, no long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they, that is the soldiers, did here. It is for us, the living, those who are living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work for which they fought. Here, thus far, so nobly, and thus far, this unfinished work which they so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us. This is citizenship. There is an unfinished work. There is a great task. Citizens have a task of building a nation. That from these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause of this unfinished task, for which they gave the full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That's how citizens think. People have died. They did not die in vain for this thing that we stand for. And this is how it ends. Very famous. That this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. That's how he ended the speech. Hmm. Look, every nation has a set of powerful people. They're the richest people, 
They're the political people. They're the powerful people. And everybody thinks that, well, they say and mouth these words, but ultimately every nation squishes their citizens to become slaves of the powerful. Isn't that what many of us in America are starting to suspect? That there, there are rich and powerful people in America and they manipulate the system so that our systems are now just slaves of them. They get the money, they get the spoils, and we just have to muddy along. That is the fear of every nation in the world, and it's a rightful fear because that's how every nation operates. But actually, right from the mouth of Lincoln himself, that we are to be a nation under God for freedom, to worship him, to obey him, and to build a nation for people, by people, to live freely, to worship freely. I mean, this is so important that the Christians who started this country... (laughs) actually believe, and this is, this is really sad to me that lots of non-Christian people today don't quite get this, we actually believe that we believe in a nation that you should be free to not believe in God. You should be free to be an atheist. Because nobody can be made to believe in God. And nobody can be made to worship God. This is a nation that you should be able to freely, from the heart, obey Him. And then offer that blessing to our neighbors, which we call a republic, a republic of freedom, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty, freedom, to worship, and to treat our citizens a certain kind of way because we are under God, not under merely a state. And many people die for it. So that lots of people who were not receiving these blessings just because of their skin color They fought for this and died for this. And a great American president understood this because he read his Bible. A lot of people um, debate whether Lincoln believed in Jesus, but there's no debate that Lincoln understood the Bible and read the Bible and understood the principles upon which America was founded. There's no debate about that. Let me um, go to one more text. I've gone from 1630 to the 1860s. And let me read a portion of another great American text. This is from the 1960s, and it's called Letter from a Birmingham Jail. Anybody know who wrote this? Anybody know who wrote this? Go ahead, say it out loud. Hmm? There you go, Martin Luther King Jr. Another great American talks like a preacher because he is a preacher. <laughs> And he understands America because he understands the biblical principles upon which America was founded. It's not cynical. It's not cynical. One of the reasons why citizenship is in disarray in America is because basically we're throwing God out. And if we throw God out, even the blessings for those people who are not believers are being lost. It isn't only for Christians. It is for all people, so they may be free to worship God and then meet God. This is the way Martin Luther King put it. And I want you to hear how he thinks about this. He's not even addressing the nation. He's addressing churches. I must honestly reiterate that I have been disappointed with the church. With the church. I do not say that as one of those negative critics who always find something wrong with the church. 
And we know there's lots of those people today. I say it as a minister of the gospel who loves the church, who is nurtured in its bosom, who has been sustained by its spiritual blessings, and who will remain true to it as long as the court of life shall lengthen. This is the way Martin Luther King Jr. talks. It goes on. I have heard numerous religious leaders of the South call upon their worshipers to comply with a desegregation decision because it is the law. But I have longed to hear white ministers say, follow this decree because integration is morally right and the Negro is your brother. You know what he's saying? He's saying, don't just follow the law. Understand what is right from the scriptures and treat the black man a certain way under God. That's what he's saying. I want to hear my white pastor friends say that. But they're not saying it. And that's why I'm disappointed. In the midst of blatant injustices inflicted upon the Negro, I have watched white churches stand on the sidelines and merely mouth pious irrelevancies and sanctimonious trivialities. In the midst of a mighty struggle to rid our nation of racial and economic injustice, I have heard so many ministers say, well, those are social issues which the gospel has nothing to do with. And I have watched so many churches commit themselves to a completely otherworldly religion which made a strange distinction between bodies and souls, the sacred and the secular. You know what he's complaining about? He's saying, I don't get it. I read the Bible. And when I read the gospel, I don't think that spiritual only means otherworldly, some heaven by and by. It does include the economic. It does include how we should treat our neighbors. It includes our country. But there's all these churches out there that says, well, you know, the gospel doesn't have anything to do with all those things. Really? I'm on message number 12 out of a series on citizenship And I've talked to you about money. I've talked to you about the way you use your time. I've talked to you about your work. The gospel doesn't have anything to do with work. Doesn't have anything to do with money. If it has to do with all these things, guess what? It has to do with life. And you know what citizenship is? The way we, the way we as a people will build a life together. That's all it is. That's what citizenship is. So Martin Luther King Jr., he is rightfully upset and disappointed with the church. And today, I have to say to you, it hasn't changed. (laughs) People want to go to church. And really, they just want, I just want a nice life now, and then then go to heaven, otherworldly. That's all that the gospel and the spiritual have to do with. And then these messy things about how things actually happen in society and then how we treat our neighbors and how we think about things like race and economics, those things don't matter. Of course they matter. This is the business of the citizen. And absolutely, it is the business and concern of the citizen of heaven because he cares about life and the way God will reign of life here and the way we will be stewards of this nation now. King goes on to say this, there was a time when the church was very powerful. It was during that period that the early Christians rejoiced 
when they were deemed worthy to suffer for what they believe. Citizenship is about cost. Citizenship is about what you contribute. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. I sure as heck hope think that people don't understand, that think that's the way the church is today. That the church, we cannot merely be some kind of thermometer of popular opinion. This is why I rail against the churches that only teach you some cheap health and wealth gospel. I mean, I, I don't want to make him the whipping boy, but this is why I can't stand Joel Osteen. He makes the church an arm of the American health and wealth dream, the American idolatrous dream, instead of calling America to be something deeper than that. And here he is. So back in the early church, wherever the early Christians entered a town, the power structure got disturbed and immediately sought to convict them for being disturbers of the peace and outside agitators. Let me tell you something. That's the way, what King was called. He was called the disturber of the peace. And if we just follow the status quo, maybe people will like us today, but we won't be a very good steward. We won't be a very good steward of our nation. King says, they went on with the conviction that they were a colony of heaven and had to obey God rather than man they were small in number, but big in commitment. They were too God-intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. They brought an end to such evils as infanticide and gladiatorial contest. They were the best citizens of Rome because they were citizens of heaven. And because of that, they were against things like infanticide and gladiatorial contest. You know, today, that's why if we're going to be citizens of America, and among the best citizens of America, we have to be citizens of heaven. And we have infanticide today. We have legalized baby killing today. It's just that it's all just kind of out of sight and out of mind. And just like the church back then, who were citizens, the best citizens of Rome, because they were citizens of heaven. They were of the colony of heaven, which is Martin Luther King Jr.'s way of saying, of the commonwealth of Israel. And today, we too must oppose infanticide, except we call it abortion. Back then, they got together for entertainment and watched people to be abused and exploited in the arenas called gladiators. Except today, we don't need to gather in arenas. We go on the internet to see people abused, and exploited, and today we call that pornography. And it's a huge billion, billion dollar business, which a lot of people are hooked upon. That's the way we do it today. So there's a need very much for the citizens of heaven. A little bit more from King, and I'll now close up this por second portion of my message. I hope the church as a whole will meet the challenge of this decisive hour. But even if the church does not come to the aid of justice, I have no despair about the future. I have no fear about the outcome of our struggle in Birmingham, even if our motives are presently misunderstood, and Christians are regularly misunderstood. 
we'll reach the goal of freedom in Birmingham and all over the nation because the goal of America is freedom. Abused and scorned though we may be, our destiny is tied up with this destiny for our country. And he goes on to say, we will win our freedom, and he's talking about black slaves, because the sacred heritage of our nation, downtrodden, poor people, discriminated against people, because there's a sacred heritage of our nation and the eternal will of God are embroiled, embodied in our echoing demands. That's America. <laughs> That's a great vision of America. And um, I just want to say something very personal. Um, I'm really glad to be an American. I'm incredibly grateful to be an American. I don't even feel the need to say I'm a Korean American. I'm just glad to be an American. Most every other nation says, if you're not of our blood, and if you're not of our history, you can't be a part of us. This country said, if you will stand for what we will stand for, you can be a citizen and have belonging with us. I thought that was incredible. Let that take a Korean boy like me and say, and then when I actually found out about the history of our country and to find out that we're standing on something that's not just about our power, it's not just about our advantage, it's something that goes all the way right back to God and to ask people to get, let them be free, even free to be atheists, so that people can utterly be free to know Jesus. That's the greatest thing that our country has ever offered people. It's one of the things that I think make us a special country. And if we as Christians will not hold on to that, what a terrible thing that is. May God not bless us, may he curse us, really. This is an incredible thing for us to be a steward of. And I hope that we hold on to it. And that you and I, you won't just be an immigrant who came here to get what I want out of this country, but under God, because you are a citizen of his heaven, you will want to be a steward. You want to have a steward that this country can be a better version of itself and offer a blessing to our neighbors, which is from the Lord. Let me close this message. Every nation is captured by a glory. Something beautiful and powerful that says, this is what we stand for. I've talked to you guys about this, and if you've listened to my message, sometimes you hear me. The example I give is, uh, the example I like to go to is, Athens believed in wisdom and art. So they were kind of a, this very decadent kind of people. Sparta believed in strength, might. They literally would kill their babies if the baby didn't seem strong enough. You can't be one of us, baby. You can't be a citizen of our people. We'll kill you because you're not strong enough. And the world, they take glories that are in this world and then they build themselves upon it. But if we'll be the finest citizens, we have to be captured and build a nation on a glory that we can't just make here in this world. If that is the case, then we'll just fight with all the other nations when our glory clashes against their glory. That's what it happens. Right now, we're fighting against the people that believe in a very form of strict religious legalism. They hate American freedom. <laughs> so there has to be a fight. But actually, America can't understand freedom in light of what I get to do, what I want to do. 
If that is the glory of America, then we're dead. <laughs> and we're dying. Because the glory that a nation has to be built on has to be a glory that you cannot just find here in this creation. It must be a glory from God. The glory of God. <laughs> and the only pathway to the glory of God is through the gospel. <laughs> and now I want to give you the gospel so you can rethink citizenship and get you in touch with the glory of God so that if you would be captured by the glory of God, maybe then we can come back and renew our citizenship in America and be among the finest citizens of this country because we are citizens of heaven. Here's the glory of God. The Athenians said, we're the smartest. We're the most artistic. That's why we're special. The Spartans said, we're the toughest. We have the mightiest military. That's why we're special. If America will say, we're the biggest, that's why we're special. We're the richest, that's why we're special. This is the country where you can be free to have your own selfish dream, that's why we're special. No. America can become special if its citizens of heaven will be captured by the glory of God. And here's the glory of God. There was one who became a citizen of Israel. And in order for Israel to be Israel, he laid his life down. <laughs> he suffered a great cost. And he became the number one finest citizen of Israel. And his name is Jesus. He paid for all our idolatry and all our sins and all the way we corrupt our people and our nation with our own idolatrous selfishness. And he laid his life down on the cross. That's citizenship. And that is why God is glorious. God is omnipotent God. Absolutely almighty. Nobody can withstand him. And yet, you know what makes him glorious? The Bible doesn't say just worship God because he's powerful. That's not what the Bible says. The gospel calls us to worship God because he laid his life down. That's his glory. And if there will be a people and a nation that will be captured by that glory, then we will offer a blessing and a shalom. See, shalom means deepest peace. It means wholeness and flourishing. Every nation is chasing shalom. No nation has ever had it. But some nations can taste of it. And America can taste of it. If the church will first be citizens of heaven, and like our king who laid his life down, if we be captured by that glory where he laid his life down so he could give us shalom. <laughs> Only then... If we will approach our citizenship that way, and we will begin to follow our king and lay ourselves down and have sacrifice and cost, can we then offer our neighbors a new kind of shalom, which they badly long for, even if they hate God? <laughs> because if we will be captured by Jesus and the way he laid himself down, then we could be stewards of this country 
and the stewardship of our citizenship in heaven to be among the finest stewards of our nation. Let's pray. Lord, I know it's a really big message, and it's hard to get our minds and our hearts wrapped around it. Lord, I do pray that you would bless our country. Bless us with more than wealth and a good economy. Bless us with humility. Bless us with spiritual poverty. Bless us with eyes to see the glory of God in Jesus Christ so that we may be renewed as citizens, a new kind of citizen, and treat our neighbors and even our enemies the way you treated us, Jesus, the way you came to bless an idolatrous Israel and a wandering Israel. May we follow you and be captured by you so that we may be among the very best citizens of this nation in this time and place as we give this country to you. Bless us as we seek to be good stewards. Uphold us and watch over us. May the church be called not to just stand by in the status quo with the idolatries of this present age, but may we be a church filled with some of the finest citizens of this country. Be stewards of the mysteries of the gospel and the riches of your grace. This odd and strange church called San Jose New Hope Church, which will produce some of the finest American citizens in this city because we are citizens of Israel. In Jesus' name, amen.